It's a lovely morning in the village, and you are a horrible goose. That's the premise of Untitled Goose Game, a comedy stealth puzzle hybrid developed by the indie studio House House. You play as a mischievous goose, and your aim is to cause as much havoc as possible by annoying the villagers of a quiet English town. Each level of the game takes place in a different area of the village. You're given a checklist of different tasks to complete before progressing to the next section, like stealing the farmer's keys or making him hammer his thumb. When Untitled Goose Game was released in 2019, it quickly became a game that everyone was talking about. Twitter was flooded with goose memes, and it received a lot of positive reviews and press coverage. For starters, the whole concept is just completely unique, which I think is what makes people go, hang on, what? You're an evil goose? But then once you play the game, you understand what it does so well, which is a kind of slapstick comedy in the form of a game. And one of the key components to pulling this off is the way the game approaches sound design and music. I think the biggest thing was the subtlety of the humour. I mean, part of it isn't really subtle because it's this really loud, obnoxious goose. But for me, the humour or like the the influence that I got from the humour is like the, the voices being kind of understated and letting the goose be the biggest thing in the space. You know, I think music for comedy games can't be in on the joke. I think once the music starts winking at the audience, it doesn't work anymore. I mean, that's the kind of way that I've approached it, I guess. And I I guess my musical style to some degree is just, um, you know, kind of taking things seriously in order to be funny. While some games can be blanketed in sound, Untitled Goose Game takes a minimalist approach, and the result is a soundscape that's both charming and really, really funny. I'm James Parkinson from Lawson Media. This is Gameplay. Stories about video games and the virtual worlds that power culture and community. House House is a small developer based in Melbourne, Australia, a team of only four. But for Untitled Goose Game, they commissioned two more people to craft the sound design and the music. I'm M. Halberstadt, and I'm an audio director at A Shell in the Pit Audio in Vancouver in Canada. My name is Dan Golding. I'm an academic as my day job, but I also am really into music. I make music for games. I made music for Untitled Goose Game. The story of Untitled Goose Game starts with a joke. Designer Stuart Gillespie Cook randomly posted a photo of a goose in the House House group chat as the team were discussing several ideas for their next game. And that's all it took. The guys were off on a wild discussion about everything they found funny and interesting about geese. The more they talked about it, the more other ideas and prototypes fell away, and making a goose game became their focus. This was in mid-2016, and a year later, the game was in early development. Because it was still a work in progress, though, these early versions featured placeholder sounds, until M. Halberstadt came on board. 
Em's work can also be heard in indie titles like Night in the Woods, Chicory, and Wonder Song. House House actually reached out to me after um, I did a talk at GDC on Night in the Woods and kind of how the sound tells a story for that game. Um, <laughs> and I had seen the trailers of Goose Game before, so I was very excited at the prospect of working on it with them. Sound can sometimes be an afterthought or secondary to the gameplay, but when it's considered at the beginning of the development process, it can really enhance the whole experience. I think one of the things that interests me about sound is that it does a lot of its storytelling subconsciously, and I think that's really interesting to be able to almost manipulate people with with sound and um, kind of enhance the story without people necessarily thinking about it. I really enjoy also the feeling of being able to take people into a space that sound gives. So one of my favorite parts of sound design is building ambiences. So that's all like the environment sounds um, and really just helping make people feel like they're there as a part of the story. Ambience is what helps to set the scene. For Goose Game, there are five levels or sections, each with their own unique atmosphere. The first area where you begin the game is the garden, then there's the high street, the back gardens, a more suburban setting, the pub, and the model village. These ambiences include several layered sounds. There's scatter sounds, for example, the occasional bird chirping or a distant bell ringing. And there's spot sounds, which are more constant but get louder as you approach them, like a river or other things in the environment. I usually start out by making what I call a sound palette. Um, And that's generally just, uh, I, I go about and record as much as I can that I can use for the rest of the game so that thematically it all kind of fits together. The next component of the sound design is foley which is all the footsteps and the cloth of all the different characters. Each animation is tagged with specific cloth foley, which I actually went in and did, and it took a really long time, and it's a really subtle thing, but I think it's just like one of those details that was worth it. Then there's the sound effects for all the objects the goose can interact with, which is the core mechanic of the game. Whether it's turning on a garden hose or pinching the farmer's keys when he's not looking, every item has a unique sound, all recorded from scratch. For Goose Game, there was so many props that I think almost would have taken longer to try to find them in a library. Um, And it would have been a lot less cohesive. So there's um, grabs, releases... There's different velocities for the different, um, depending on how hard you drop an object. And there's uh, drag sounds for the objects that you can, that are big enough to drag. Um, They were all recordings outside mostly. Um, This was me picking objects up and actually dropping them on the surfaces that you see in the game. Um, which was a lot of work to do on, you know, uh, unique objects on each individual surface. But since that is most of the game, it felt like it was worth it in the end to have that level of 
detail and kind of gives the player a sense of satisfaction depending on what surface the goose is dropping the objects on. In practice, this was M in her backyard, with her microphone and portable recorder capturing sounds of various garden and household objects. Yeah, a lot of it was kind of rifling through the shed or the house and finding not all the objects are exactly what they are in the game. And then I actually was working and traveling around New Zealand for a big portion of uh, while I was working and then I was just finding objects wherever I was there and recording them as I went, which was a little bit challenging, but it worked out. Sometimes a real-life object won't actually sound like what it is once it's recorded. So sound designers will experiment with different objects to find the right tone they're looking for. This can lead to some creative solutions, like a mallet in Goose Game, which is actually a ball attached to a rubber spatula. The watering can was not a watering can. Um, I think for that I used a big kind of metal lid of a little portable fireplace. So that aspect of that, that it gave enough to be the watering can was this like big kind of hollow metallic sound. So for most of the objects, I would first think of what material it is. Is it wood or stone or plastic or whatever? And then think about the size and how resonant it's going to be against the ground. It was really different to record on grass versus on concrete. So like on concrete, the object is going to ring out a lot more. So it kind of has to have that appropriate feel to it. But the main thing that I, I kind of always have in mind is what sounds pleasant and like what sounds good, not really what should this object make. But like if you close your eyes and don't think about what it is, how does that sound? Recording physical objects and having them sound more realistic was a stylistic choice that helps to ground the player in the world, despite the art style of the game being more playful. For most of the sound in the game, the direction was that we wanted everything to sound tactile and satisfying um, for, you know, like all the objects and things that you pick up, and also subtle. For me personally, I especially for this game, was thinking about or trying to do kind of a soft performance on most of the sound because I wanted the whole soundscape to be this thing that was really pleasant to listen to. Even the if uh, an object is dropped for like a higher velocity, it's, it's nothing really stands out too much. There's a few bigger events that are like crashes and whatnot. But yeah, I think overall the all the foley and the voice and the objects are there to kind of blend into this softer soundscape. For the muffled voices of the villagers, House House provided some direction on how they felt they should sound. Then M recruited some of her fellow team members from sound studio A Shell in the Pit to perform them. I recorded 
VO here and then kind of sent them little samples and they would give some feedback and we would tweak if necessary. I did myself a few of the voices, the shopkeeper and the messy neighbor, maybe a couple in the pub. The subtle style of the soundscape serves to elevate the star of Untitled Goose Game, The Goose. The first gameplay trailer from 2017, which features those initial placeholder sounds, is a little different to how the game ended up, but you can tell that House House had a clear vision of how the game should sound. And of course, The Goose was a focal point from the start. The biggest direction they had was uh, around the honk naturally. <laughs> um, they had a uh, honk in before I started working, and it was actually a quack from a duck. <laughs> they didn't actually, they kind of let me do what I thought would be good for the goose um, to start, and I thought that, wow, geese can make incredible sounds, <laughs> so I cut all of these honks that were kind of horrible <laughs> to listen to, like they they were all over the place. They were funny, but House House had this direction that I thought was really good, which was um, the thing that they liked about the honk that they had before was that it was very neutral and so the player could really put themselves into the honk like they could put whatever emotion they wanted into this honk um, so after taking that we did a whole bunch of revisions on it because um, this was obviously the most important sound in the game and it really did have to be just right and then eventually we ended up on these little takes that I took from a library of a goose recording and just made it really short and really neutral and that's what we ended up with in the game. I originally was really wanting to record a goose myself just because that sounded like a fun thing to do um, but then I found this library recording um, from a recordist called Mattia Chilado and it's this library called Animal Hyperrealism, and it's these really high-quality close-up recordings of these animals that was just, it was kind of too perfect to pass up on, and I probably wouldn't have been able to get as close to a goose myself anyway. So <laughs> yeah, it's pretty much just the, just straight from the library, except I did edit so that it's kind of like snippets from the sounds that the goose made. But yeah. <laughs> the way the honk was implemented is a really satisfying input too. It's just a single button press, but you can also just mash it as much as you like and the goose will just keep on honking, which is so much fun. <laughs> yeah, so that, that actually was kind of an accident how that happened. It was... When I was implementing it, I originally didn't put in like a limit. Usually the sounds that you can uh, spam, you would want to put a limit on how many at once you can hear. But um, I hadn't originally done that. And then when I heard it, I just thought it was just like another opportunity to be as annoying as possible. So I left it in. <laughs> 
Some of the best laughs I've had playing Goose Game is when you pick up an item that actually changes how the honk sounds, like honking into a glass milk bottle, a harmonica, or even standing over a well. The personality of the goose isn't limited to the honk either. The footsteps were recorded with a rubber glove, kind of not on my hand, but wrapped around. And I would kind of just lightly tap on all the different surfaces. Um, And then there's different actions for whether it's running or stopping or whatnot. Um, And the wings, I believe are some kind of cloth. I don't remember exactly, but it was probably cloth mixed with kind of like a burlapy material. With the soundscape in place, the next component is, of course, the music. I think for most of the game, I was working kind of without music. So it was kind of funny when it all came in and I had just been working on this like kind of silent ambience with all these kind of nothing too huge is ever happening. It's mostly objects being picked up and dropped. Um, it's a it's a very different game without music and so when music came in it was very exciting and um, that's when I could really start mixing the sounds properly to see which ones I could bring up and stuff. We were mostly working I would say on our own and then it kind of all came together to form magic. (laughs) That's coming up after the break. As an independent podcast, listener support is incredibly important for gameplay. So if the show is valuable to you, please consider becoming a gameplay member. Memberships are just $5 US a month or $50 US a year. You'll receive an ad-free podcast feed, bonus content, and I'll personally send you a gameplay sticker pack. There is a free tier as well if you're not in a position to contribute monetarily, but if you can, you'll be actively helping to make the podcast sustainable so I can continue to bring you stories you care about. Sign up now at gameplay.co slash membership. Thanks. If you open the audio settings on a game and play around with the volume sliders, you get a sense for how it feels to play a game without a particular component of its audio mix. Doing this on Untitled Goose Game, like turning off the music, reveals just how much influence it has on your experience, which is all about how it plays off the sound design and responds to the player's actions. The concept House House came up with took inspiration from silent films. Here's composer Dan Golding. We imagined that it should be like there's a silent film pianist sitting next to you, watching what you're doing, and just kind of improvising um, a response to what's happening on the screen. The music for Goose Game was conceived quite early in the development process, even before M. Halberstadt had started her sound design work. 
Dan Golding had created the music for House House's first game, Push Me Pull You, and they came back to him when they were creating the first gameplay trailer. Originally, they just wanted me to create a, a performance of one of um, Claude Debussy's piano preludes. Um, he was a composer who lived sort of a- around the turn of the 20th century and was writing, you know, in the, the 19th century and lived, I think, up until the very early 1920s. And he uh, wrote these piano preludes, um, some of which are reasonably famous, um, but most of which are less famous than his most famous piece, which is Claire de Lune, the... Um I'm just playing that by ear. So, uh, but, you know, that it's like used in trailers. It's used in video games all the time. So it wasn't that. It was the, more the, the uh, regular pieces that are not quite so famous. And in particular, this, this, this one particular prelude. Because the compositions are in public domain, but the recordings generally aren't. Um, So they wanted me to create a a version of that to be used in the game's first trailer, which really was more like gameplay footage, I suppose. Um, This is very early on in the project. And they wanted something to play on the radio when the goose picks it up. So the farmer in that first area of Untitled Goose Game has a radio and, you know, as the goose, when you pick it up, it starts playing and the, the, the gardener rushes over to switch it off. And so it was going to be this piece. And that was just simply that. So that was decided before I came on board. That was Nico Disseltort, one of the four members of House House, who I think had just been listening to, you know, I think perhaps a playlist of classical music while while working on the game and sort of made a mental note that this was kind of a, a bit of a funny sounding piece of music. Um, and it is. And so, yeah, they just asked if I could do that. And I, you know, created a, a version they were happy with. And firstly, the trailer went off. <laughs> um, it was very popular. And not only was it very popular, but um, a lot of the comments were all like, uh, you know, gosh, uh, I can't wait for the music to react to what I'm doing in the game as it does in the trailer. And of course, the music was doing nothing of the sort. It was just because um, another of House House's members, um, Jake Strasser, um, he uh, actually, I think, was trained as a, as a film editor, did a film degree, and he'd just done such a fantastic job of editing what was happening in the game to the beats of the music. And so, you know, a couple of weeks later, we all just sort of sat down and went, oh, I guess we got to figure out how to do this because that's kind of what people are expecting now. And it seems like a really kind of funny challenge, actually, because none of us had really worked on dynamic music systems before. So it was really, yeah, we just kind of sat down and we're like, uh, okay, I guess we we got to make this happen now. Dynamic music has become more and more common in video games, thanks to audio engine software like FMOD, which the House House team used on Goose Game. It allowed them to achieve the silent film aesthetic, which was hugely important to the humour of the game. I began by cutting that first prelude up into a number of 
sections, which we ended up calling stems. So that was like, I think I cut it up into originally like 26 stems. Now this is a, as a prelude, this is a piece of music that goes for about two and a half minutes usually. So just way too long, basically. So, you know, it might be 11 seconds long, one of these stems. And so it doesn't really comment on what's happening in the game except for like the first second when those 11 seconds are triggered. Um, so it, it just, you know, sort of bulldozes through the the micro um, narratives of each moment in the game. So to make that work, I then created two different performances of the first prelude. So one which would be the, what we call the high energy performance, which is more or less what you'd hear if you'd go to a performance of Debussy's preludes and that's what you'd expect to hear as a Debussy fan. Uh, and then another one which was a low energy performance, which I played it a lot slower, um, changed the dynamics to be a lot quieter um, and in some cases changed the arrangement as well so that um, perhaps you were playing in a lower register. So instead of like playing a, a regular G it might be much lower um, just to, you know, sort of take the energy down a little bit into a different register. And then basically try to cut them up into much more finite uh, or, or, or smaller um, stems. Uh, and I really went through with a fine tooth comb, almost as a sort of from a more musicology perspective, like where are these phrases? Where are the little phrases that happen in this performance? Like I think, you know, the first one is like, sort of something like that. I <laughs> don't have the sheet music in front of me. Yeah, so, you know, sort of, maybe a couple of seconds each. And then to sort of identify the game's state, I suppose, and the state works by how the goose relates to the world around it, or rather how the world around the goose relates to the goose. So if, you know, you're causing a huge um, ruckus and you're being chased by the gardener, you, you've got the radio and you're running away, um, then it's in a very high state of, I, I guess, awareness. Um, and then the, the loud version of the preludes will play. There is a second state below that where the world around you is kind of aware of what you're doing, but not actively like chasing you. And then that's when a, a lower energy version will play. And then there's the sort of basic state where it's just silence. And so then it became a question of figuring out how to cut up the preludes into the most effective form to work here. So in the end, I've still got the little file on my computer, the folder where I called it radical experiments, <laughs> where I basically forced the digital audio workstation that I use, which is Logic, um, to cut the audio file up. I think it is actually every beat. So, in most cases, we're talking about sound file lengths of about, you know, like four hundredths of a second. So, incredibly short. So, we're talking about instead of, you know, like, um, we're talking about like <laughs> as the length of, you know, the, the audio. And then once I realized that worked, which was a miracle <laughs> that this was actually working and didn't sound completely awful. 
I then went through and ensured that the stem length was the same for the other performance, the lower energy version. So that basically, you know, I think I ended up with, I think it's about 360 stems for two and a half minutes, maybe yeah, about 357, I think. Um, for that first prelude. And so, exactly, you know, if you go to stem number 211 in the high energy version, it's exactly the same as stem number 211 in the low energy version, just a different arrangement. So it means that, you know, if the game plays through the stem sequentially, so one, you know, one to 357 all in order, but it means that when you're at stem 211, the game is constantly checking, do we need a high energy version or a low energy version of stem 212 um, and so on and so on, um, which means that for all practical purposes, the game's music, even just from that first prelude, is basically infinite in terms of the possible performances, even though there's only two performances from me, the human, <laughs> in there. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I got some maths people, which I am not one, uh, to do the, the calculations, but basically it's, it's like the amount of possible different performances of just the first two and a half minute prelude is basically meaningfully infinite it's like a number with like i think 60 zeros or something after it i also got the, the math people to calculate that if you started goose game off playing a different possible performance of that prelude every second i think it was um at the big bang um and kept it going through to now today we'd be about a quarter of the way through the possible performances <laughs> Um, so it's just, it's just, yeah, as I said, practically speaking, it's kind of an infinite <laughs> um, musical performance generator. And then, then of course there are four other preludes in the game, five, sorry, that, that use the same system. Without getting too technical, there is some work happening on the back end through the FMOD software to pull this off. But Dan says it's also achievable because of the way the piano works, which ensures everything sounds natural and maintains the human element of the original performance. Part of how the little stems work together is basically I exported all of them like performance wise with what's called an audio tail, which just means that it keeps playing them until the echo, the reverb, the delays is, is complete. And so for piano, that's actually perfect because it just kind of sounds like someone's holding down the sustain pedal. You can just immediately stop and not move on to the next phrase. And it sounds as normal as it would if you went straight on. All of this works so well when you're playing the game, as the music reacts to the goose's behaviour. Creep up behind a villager, and the piano playfully responds. Steal an item and get chased by a villager, and the music increases in tempo to match. Dan's adaptation of Claude Debussy's Preludes has been compared to films like Charlie Chaplin, Buster Keaton, and even Looney Tunes. Take the music away, and it's a very different experience. But the game isn't covered in music either. Moments of silence ensure that both the music and sound design work together effectively. Here's M. Halberstadt. 
Yeah, the the room for silence that this music gave was pretty unique and it works so well and is like always something I think as a sound designer we would love as opposed to a game that has kind of music blanketed all the way through. It really, I think it highlights both the sound and the music wonderfully when they kind of both give each other room and space. I should probably give credit about silence and the game's use of silence to House House because, you know, obviously, uh, as you can probably tell from this conversation so far, I love music and I'm inclined to put music in everywhere and anywhere I can. Um, (laughs) And, you know, I think House House, on the other hand, probably have the, the good taste and restraint to know that using a lot of silence as the game does have really means those moments when the music kick in are, you know, just that much more effective and a big part of the the game's success. Untitled Goose Game received numerous game industry awards, including several for its achievements in audio. The soundtrack also received an ARIA Awards nomination in 2020, the highest honours for the recording industry in Australia, making it the first ever game soundtrack to be recognised. Twelve months on from the game's initial release, House House added a multiplayer update, which unleashes two geese on the village for you and a friend to control. The idea was for this second goose to be the Luigi to the original goose's Mario. M used a recording of a French Toulouse goose for an all-new squeaky honk, which adds even more charm to the game's unique sound. It's incredibly challenging for indie developers to break through the noise and create a game that reaches a wide audience, but the simplicity of Untitled Goose Game and the way it leverages music and sound design is what makes it memorable. I think part of what was really overwhelming and nice about the reception was how many people were noticing the sound, which I think I said earlier, something I like about sound is that people don't notice it, but... It's also nice when they do. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And to be able to kind of like see the reaction people had to these little details that I often imagine aren't getting noticed, like honking into the bottle and like watching people play that on Twitch and seeing them honk into it and then laugh after that was very, very rewarding. There's some some really yeah it's still disbelieving cool things that have happened like I mean you know like the Muppets at the the Game Awards did that sketch and they made a Muppet goose. The award for Games for Impact goes to <laughs> no not geese. Like what? How? What? How? I mean, <laughs> it just seems absurd to me. Like totally, totally absurd. Like, it's so rare, I think, in creative life to make 
something hoping that it'll be received in a certain way and then to have it actually received in that same way um, is just, you know, I don't necessarily anticipate that ever happening again. Like it's just, it's such a cool and such a rare occurrence. You know, I'm so lucky to have worked on something that so many people really love. Just super, super cool. And uh, yeah, I definitely don't take any of it for granted. (laughs) A big thank you to M. Halberstadt and Dan Golding. If you haven't played Untitled Ghost Game, I hope this episode inspires you to give it a go. And you can also listen to the full soundtrack on Spotify or Apple Music. Gameplay is a production of Lawson Media. This episode was written and produced by me, James Parkinson. The gameplay theme was composed by Breakmaster Cylinder. Our artwork is by Keegan Sanford and additional music in this episode from Breakmaster Cylinder. You can follow the show on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at Gameplay Podcast. We have a Discord as well. And if I can ask one favour, please tell your friends about Gameplay. Word of mouth is one of the most effective ways to grow a podcast audience and the more people we reach, the more opportunities we'll have to make this a sustainable show. You'll find episode transcripts, links and further reading on our website, gameplay.co. Thanks for listening.